All right, let's pray as we uh, get into the ministry of the Word of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Word. We thank you for the truth that is contained in your Word. Lord, uh, just like one of the prophets, Lord, said that let us tremble at the Word of God. Father, we want to be people who actually treat the truth of your word with high respect. It is the only thing, it is the, the, the final authority in our lives with everything, Lord, faith conducts and everything. But we ask you, Lord, in this moment, Father, that you will uh, empower us by the, by the outpouring of your Holy Spirit into our hearts, that everything of us, Lord, our hearts, our minds, our emotions, everything, is touched and changed. Let not us, not, not, not any of us, Father, leave this place untouched by your word, but the truth of your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Let's all go straight to the scripture. We are going to uh, read from uh, John chapter 17, the Gospel of John. Chapter 17, I'm going to read from verse 6. Actually, no, 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 I'm going to read from, from verse 20, sorry. This is the prayer of Jesus. Just before he was crucified, before he was arrested. John 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only referring to the disciples because he previously he was praying for the disciples. So now he said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and, and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire they also whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me, maybe in them, and I in them. One of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible that you, you can imagine. Jesus closed the, the prayer with saying that the love of the Father, the, the, the love that you have towards me will be in them. If you only understand how much the Father loves the Son, <laughs> the Father is passionate about the Son. And uh, he said, I want that love to be in them. 
And uh, we are continuing on this series. This is probably the last uh, point of the series about the, uh, what it means to be effective life-giving ministry or mini- ministry of life. And uh, we, we touched on uh, from uh, John chapter 9 before, a few weeks ago, and we talk about the hindrance of you know, in being a minister, life-giving minister, the hindrance of it is us, often we get caught up in the theological discussion when we talk to people who don't know Jesus. And, uh, and also we caught up in the, often, you know, in, in, in religion and re- religiosity and religious system and all those things. Those things... It really, you know, like, like I used the, the, the passage from the, the, the Gospel of John when they saw a man born blind, the first thing the disciples responded to the situation was who sinned? It was, did, he, did he sin or did his parents sin? I mean, you know. And we tend to do that. We, we like to sort of like get caught up in the theological issues and then Jesus said, forget that. <laughs> He said, it's not because of his sin or whether whether his parents sin. He said, all I know is that the work of God needs to be revealed in him. Therefore, let's do the work now. Let's get on with the business. So, uh, so that's the hindrance. And also, uh, the the challenge to, to, to be this type of ministry is remaining effective and I, I, I mentioned it last week, because let me, let me say this. When we involve in ministry, especially in a pastoral ministry, being a pastor actually shows up who you really are or who you really are not. <laughs> At any level of ministry, especially being, being a pastor, and that's why I said last week, the biggest challenge, and Jesus faced that challenge, which the, de- the devil uses as, as a weapon, a very formidable weapon to anybody, people in the world, especially people who know Jesus, and especially people who are in ministry, uh, and that is spirit of rejection or rejection. And the next thing is sec- you know, self-doubt. Sometimes you think you, you've done, you know, you think after doing a lot of things, you think, you know, maybe I just haven't done enough. You know, maybe if only I just do this more, more things, maybe people won't leave the church. Or maybe, if, you know, if, you know, that's what it happened. So we, we have the question, so what is it, you know, with, with us? Do we need more money in ministry? Do we need more power demonstrated in the church? Maybe we need more program. And we discover, actually, no, with Jesus, there's only one thing that, will, that kept him on course, and that is understanding a divine agenda, divine purpose. Stay on course. It's like... So, we've talked about up to that point about individual as ministers. Now I want to talk about, as a church, what will make us. 
effective as a church? How do we remain effective as a church? So, uh, the reason I pick up the scripture is because some of the things in the, in the scripture is powerful, actually, very key point there. The, the context of the passage is, is really interesting because it begins with Jesus praying to the Father, and I think I've, I've, I've preached on this before. Jesus approached the Father. As I studied the, 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 the passage, I kind, kind of draw the conclusion. I thought, man. And, and it raised me this question because I've raised it before, but just to bring it into context. If the, the only purpose Jesus coming into the world is to die for mankind, to be offered as a holy and blameless sacrificial lamb of God, if that's all that, that was needed to be done by Jesus, then Jesus could have died when he was a baby, really, because that's all that was needed to, to be done, right? Hmm? Same thing. Why wasn't he offered as a sacrificial lamb when he was a baby? Or if his purpose was to really fulfill the, the, the law, the requirements of the law, maybe he should have just lived to 80, 90, 100 years old, fulfill the law. But as we know in the book of John, there is always a divine time. And Jesus was about to be arrested, but the time was not yet there. Yet there. You know, over and over we read in the book of John, they wanted to kill him, but because his time was not there yet, so they, you know, it didn't happen. So it happened in the, in, the, in the book of John where Jesus said, Father, in verse one, uh, 1 to verse 6, he said, Father, his first word was, glorify me with the glory that I had with you. And then in verse 4 and 5, he said, I have finished the work. I have done the work you sent me. Now glorify me. You sort of stop there and questions like, what do you mean you've finished the work? What do you mean you've done the job? You haven't been to the cross yet. Are you serious, Jesus? And then as I read verse 6, Jesus said, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. So I thought that was the point. As if Jesus said, I can't go to the cross before I have this group of people that I have prepared them for what's to come. So my thing is like, yes, he came to the world to die for the world, but he, it was like there's a focus in his ministry, in his whole ministry. I have to have a group of people that I can pour out everything I have in my life. Until such time, I'm not ready to go to the cross yet. That's why I believe discipleship in Christianity is everything. It is not one of the programs, it's everything. It's like reproducing who Jesus is in us to other people. 
That's what it is. So after praying for the disciples, he said, okay, God, I pray for these people. Now I'm going to pray for the people who are, who are going to believe for, believe these people, believe your word through these people. And the very essence of this prayer is the desire for Jesus to see the unity amongst these coming people. The broader people, you and I, the world, who believe in the name of Jesus through the teaching of the, of the apostles. And some of the points I'm making, the unity of the believers is Jesus' top priority. It is the point repeated three times. And if you read, follow these short passages, it intensifies as the prayer goes on. Verse 21, concerning this unity, Jesus said that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They also may be in us. They may. And in verse 22, that they may be one even as we are one. Okay? And then he turns up the, the level, he said, in verse 23, that they may become perfectly one. <laughs> Can you see the prayer sort of getting more, more intense there about the unity? So point number one is Jesus, how important it is this whole oneness of the believers in, in the eyes of Jesus. And then the next point is the purpose of this unity. He said in verse 21, so that the world, in other words, you know, let me read the whole verse here, verse 21, that they may be all, all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Isn't that amazing? He didn't say, give them more power. Let them demonstrate the power. It's like, for Jesus, like, you know, the world's going to see you are not in them is when they see the unity. Wow. Not the power. This is the prayer of Jesus. In other words, prayer is very serious. And then he repeated this, 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 this prayer also in verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you love me. There are all kinds of arguments, oh, Jesus is the only, Jesus not the only one, because our, our belief system pretty much is the, is the most politically, politically incorrect belief system because we believe Jesus is the only way, right? <laughs> the most unfriendly belief system. Jesus said, for the church to prove that I'm the only one, they have to love one another. There has to be unity. That's full on. Yeah. So the point number two, 
the purpose of the unity. Number one, how important unity is. Number two, the purpose of the unity. And then here's the thing. Point number three. I want to uh, read in verse 22. Is, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them so that they may be one even as you are one with me. When we have this, this sense of the presence of God in worship and we experience the glory of God, and it's just, it's not just for you and I give you this goosebump feeling, it's, it's actually to foster an air of unity in our church. God reveals his glory to you and I to empower us to have unity. We need the power of God. We need the glory of God to have that unity. Absolutely. You know why? I can be in love with God. Everything is fine until I meet somebody who is so different to me. And let's see how we can have the same feeling <laughs> or whatever. See where I'm at. When two people come together, whether you like it or not, it's going to be some discrepancies going on. Try marriage. <laughs> Absolutely. All our idiosyncrasies, everything, will come to the surface when we come together. Yeah. Do you know what the problem is? Because of the independent human will, or I'd rather say it, express the independent self-will of humanity, all this will manifest in any relationship. The closer you are in, in any relationship, the more the challenge of this union or this unity is becoming more and more obvious. So what do we do? You know, okay, the world, you know, in, the mankind try to do it. There are all kinds of ways in try to bring bring uh, unity. There are, you know, governmental styles. Sometimes some of them are autocratic. We try democratic. America loves to pride themselves as the model of democracy. And I mean, look at the mess that they're going through now. Why? Because it's human. <laughs> you can create a system. You can create all those things. You can create the institution. It's, it, at the end of the day, it's human. Yeah. Under the democratic system, let me say this about the democracy. Just a thought, all right? Just think about it. I reckon it will be actually, for the Western society, it will be difficult trying to grasp and, and uh, comprehend kingdom principle from democratic mindset. Think about that. We want to, to like understand the kingdom principle, but we're thinking democratic way. That's a challenge in, in itself. Why? 
Because in a democratic society, we have our rights. And everybody fights for their own rights. Christians, non-Christians, because we are bombarded by that. Yeah. Whether it's democratic, whatever it is, in any gathering together, there will always be personal agenda. People fight for their rights. And yet the Bible talks about giving up your rights, my rights. <laughs> Deny myself, pick up the cross, and follow Jesus. This idea of this independent self-will, human will. Let, uh, let me make, make a distinction, okay? I believe in autonomous, but I don't believe in independence. They're two different things. Yeah? Autonomous is from God. We self-government, we, but I believe this, this, I can call it almost curse of independence happened in the time of creation at the fall. Autonomous pre-creation, independence post-creation. See, what happened is when men, we were created in the image of God and Satan came, I, mean, I, I mentioned this last, uh, last time, and his thing to, to Eve, if you eat of the fruit, you become like God. So what, what Satan was doing is, as I said last week, how Adam and Eve were created in the image of God already, they're already like God. But what Satan came and, and what he tempted, tempted mankind is this, you can be like God independent from God. Make up your mind. That's what the serpent said. You're going to be like God. Just think independently from God. Now, here's the thing. Mankind tried to be like God, independent from God, ended up being without God. I'll say it again. Mankind tried to be like God, independent from God. They ended up become without God out of the presence of God. So what happened, Adam and Eve separated from God, and because of that, they're separated from each other, you see? The first thing, the first thing of, of, of the cause of that, that curse of independence is what? Self-conscious. Oh, I'm naked. Oh, you're naked, you know, like... So they're separated from each other. They were in harmony before, perfect union. All of a sudden, they're separated from God and from each other. And guess what? All of a sudden, God said, okay, you've lost your harmony here. Two minds, two brains, independent. Now I have to do something. Somebody has to make the call. You. Submit to him. You know, that's... You need to be in charge over her. Somebody has to make the call. 
All of a sudden, let me say this. Right then, submission became an issue. Right? So men over women is not by design, but by consequences of the fall. It's not by design, it's by consequences. Somebody has to make a call, so somebody needs to, meet, to submit to that. So that carries on pretty much until today. That's what Paul said in relationship with, with, the, with the church. He said, submit to one another. That's the spirit that we are operating in. Here's the thing. So after this, this uh, breakup in relationship, I want to put the PowerPoint, give you a point of what unity is. Men and women, are, we were created for a purpose. So the first thing that will really necessary is Number one, vision or purpose, ingredient for unity. And like I said, once that, that relationship was broken, God said, somebody has to make a call. Guess what do we need for unity? Next thing is leadership. Somebody needs to lead. If somebody needs to lead, then the other, the other people or the other person needs to what? To submit. That's it. Vision, purpose, leadership, and submission. And I want to po push this point. Submission is not agreement. I'll say it again. Submission is not agreement. As long as I agree with, you know, agree with you, submission is not an issue. But the moment we disagree, and it's okay to disagree. I'm not saying we, we can't have agreement. And it's okay to disagree. But then, if I'm the leader, and some people disagree, well, this, then submission becomes an issue. Because I might make decision on something that you're not happy with, you know? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talked about unity. He said, I said to you, in Matthew 18, verse 19, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, our idea of agreement to the Greek language of agreement is slightly different meaning. The Greek word for agreement is symphonio, where the word symphony comes from. Making sound together, you see? Making sound together, different sound. When, you're, when you lead an orchestra, you got percussion that sounds so different to violin, sounds so different to oboe, sounds so different, but they all produce one sound. 
Let me ask the seniors from the, the measles. I want to demonstrate something here. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah? From today, yeah. You can, you can too. Oh, Josh, you want to grab a microphone? Just, just have a party here. Do you want to see? Come on. Okay. Let's put, put the key of G. I want, I want to demonstrate something here. Okay. Now, actually, before we do that, so we, we are a group together. You have your right. You have to your right. You can do whatever you want. Okay. You want to go together. We're going to sing. And uh, let's see. Pick a song. You pick a song. You pick a song. You pick a song. Okay. Well, decide now what song we're going to sing now. Okay. You sing whatever song you want. Yep. You sing whatever song you want. You <laughs> sing. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's sing a cappella. One, two, three. Come on, sing. What goes around comes around, comes around, comes around. Back around. <laughs> Obviously, there's no unity, right? Oh, that's, that's a song. It's a laughing song. It's a musical laugh. You know. Okay. So in other words, when you get, to get together, you just can't do your own thing. Okay? Okay, let's, let's uh, give the key of G. I want us to sing in unison, in perfect unison. Lord, I give you my... Just, just all the melody, okay? Let's do a cappella. One, two, three, four, five. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Is that nice? Because, all right. We're saying unity, but what's lacking? Dynamics, you see. Something, because we're all doing the same thing. But here's the thing. When I say, okay, you do your part, I do my part, and you do your part, and let's see how this thing's going to work. Okay, let's sing in harmony. Can you sing in harmony? <laughs> do you want to help? Just, just to uh, get the the answer. Can you do answer? Yeah. Lord, I give you. Lord, I. Give, Lord, I give. Okay. One, okay. One, two, three, four. One. Yeah. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. Do you like that? All right, now here's the thing. I think I preached this a long time ago about symphony thing. You have, in an orchestra, Diana, when we did, okay, in 1985, we did an album, we hired an orchestra. All right? These people came 
Like I said, the flute sounds so different to violin. They sound, they're uh, different to percussion. They all express themselves. But guess what? In that orchestra, there's a conductor. Mm. At that time, his name is Tommy Tico in the 80s. He was known for that, that kind of work. And I handed him over my songs, Diana, our songs to him. Mm. Could you please arrange that? So he, with this chart of all the instruments, he was in charge over the whole orchestra. And he would conduct, he said, flute coming at this part, cello comes, you know, like, like, why? Because I entrusted my song. Here's the thing. Obviously, people just don't do their own thing. People say, well, you know, sometimes people, people will say, well, you don't know, you know, like, you know, you're a leader, but, you know, I got my own view about stuff. I said, yeah, but when it comes to leadership, you know, and somebody, you know, people have talked to me about that. You know, what about, you know, just like, just everybody's different, but we can do this, you know, like different things, we're all different, but here's the thing. The key to, to, to the unity is that we sing the song that is assigned to me. We sing the same song. Mm. You might have different parts in the song, but we're going to sing the same song. That's the only way unity is going to happen. Imagine if you said, okay, Brahm, I want to sing the same song, yeah, but I'm going to do it my way. So you, I sing in G, in G and then you sing in A and somebody sing in B flat. Could you imagine? And hey, let's try that. <laughs> let's sing the same song. Yeah. Okay. Because we all believe in Jesus, right? That's our song. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> That's it. We call that jazz. <laughs> All right. Why? We have the same faith. We believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. Just do our own thing. Okay, let's sing. I sing. Uh, You're in J? I, I'm, I'm in anyway. Okay. Just, just sing. Sing same song, but different key, right? One, two, three. One, two, three, four. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. And, you know, Christianity can sound like that. Yeah. Don't we just believe in the same Jesus? Let's, let's do our own thing. <laughs> and it's still laughing. Come on, man. Somebody has to make a call at some point. Hmm. Yeah, that's fine. You're a florist. You're a saxophonist. No, you're a bass player, sorry. I forgot. I forgot. What's your name again? <laughs> yeah, babe. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> you're a drummer. And you're a cello player. You play when I tell you when to play because that's the child says. You know, in the arrangement, that's when it's like a song was entrusted under my, my, my you know, being a conductor. And you play saxophone, man, the child says you play saxophone. Mm. And we all play in the same key, play the same song. Guess what? Then we will create a harmony as the church. 
that's what unity looks like. And here's the thing. People will use whatever. God told me this, God told me that, whatever. The mark of, the, of Christianity is not the sun, it is the sons and wonders, but you know what? Spirit of humility. You can tell me the level of submission and I can tell you the level of your humility. I mean it. You can talk about humility until, until whatever, <laughs> but if there's no submission on your part, don't talk about me about it with me. I've seen, you can talk about the power of the Holy Spirit like two weeks ago or last week. It is possible to operate with the divine power, to exercise divine power with the wrong spirit. Absolutely. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, they've experienced the power of God. In Luke chapter 9, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, heal the sick, raise the dead, and all those things, you know, Jesus sent them. And then when they reacted in the face of the rejection of the Samaritans, let's call down fire. Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Wow. That's what Jesus said to them. He rebuked them. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Let's all stand up. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have true unity. Not in a boring way. Everybody can express themselves, but in the spirit of humility. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath. Every moment I'm away.